1: What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Nikolov Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And of course, here with me every Tuesday night is the one and only Ali Kambijani of The Athletic. Ready to talk some Rockets hoops, Ali Khan?
3: Hey, hey guys, hey Jackson, how are
1: y'all doing today? I'm I'm I've had a whale of a day, Ali Khan, but I am excited to be able to sit here, talk some hoops with you. We've got an amazing turnout for our locker room audience. So reminder: every Tuesday night, Ali Khan and I are live here on Locker Room at 8:30 Central. So if you want to stop in, you know, be here for the conversation, get to participate in the conversation. That's why we do this. But Ali Khan, let's go ahead and dive in because we've got a handful of topics that we want to get to today. And so first thing on the docket is talking about Christian Wood because there was some you know, some post-game commentary that made the rounds last night after the Phoenix Suns game, which I, I must say, that was probably the, the most exciting Rockets game we've had in recent memory because they were you know, right there, neck and neck. I mean, they almost you know, stole the game from the Suns. It was very exciting. But the comments from Christian Wood post-game kind of made the rounds on social media, specifically a quote that was taken a bit out of context saying, you know, Christian Wood saying that he doesn't specifically have plays drawn up for him. And I believe you were the one that actually asked that question. So why don't you kind of illuminate us and, you know, give us the full context behind what that meant?
3: Yeah. So, you know, there's this thing about Christian Wood in that, you know, especially the last few weeks, is he getting enough shot attempts? And we saw that conversation, especially when he and John Wall are sharing the court together. Now, the reason I asked my question yesterday, um, and by the way, the question was, Um, How important is timing and chemistry um, on um, entry passes to you whenever you are fighting so hard to get position inside the paint? Because it doesn't take a rocket scientist watching the game to notice that Christian Wood is fighting hard, trying to establish position, get deep post position or be able to hunt a mismatch either through pick and roll initially or in transition. And if that's going on, What is what, can, what else can he do to make sure he gets the ball in those favorable situations? So my whole purpose was to just to talk about, you know, what is the importance of entry passes and the timing for that? And his response was simply, it's very important. I don't make any excuses, but with the offense that we have, I don't have a play call for me. I usually create some things and some stuff, and you guys can see it just within the offense. Coach believes, me, believes in me talent-wise, so I could just create my own shot like that. When guys see the mismatch, I try and be more assertive and get the ball more. But I just have to be better. Jackson, based off what I just read, what do you think of that quote?
1: I think that it sounds like Silas kind of trusts Christian Wood to be able to, I guess, kind of get his within the flow of the offense without necessarily you know, needing specific play calls. But it definitely isn't it's definitely not a shot against Silas, which is kind of how a lot of people were interpreting it, trying to basically say, oh, well, Silas isn't actually drawing up plays for Christian Wood. What a garbage coach, which is kind of the reaction that a lot of people have had on social media.
3: Yeah, and I absolutely agree with your your sentiment there. I think the biggest thing for me is whenever he was talking about, you know, the offense, he said, you know, Within the offense that we have, I don't have a play call for me. I usually create some things and some stuff that you guys can see because coach believes me, believes in me talent wise to create my own shot like that. That's what that means. That's why I asked him that question because it doesn't take, like I said, a rocket scientist to see. He is trying to establish position um, either deep in the post or through a mismatch. And that in itself is the offense. It's five out. You don't have to necessarily draw up a play and run a set each possession. Half of the NBA doesn't run set plays each possession. They run actions or they run their offense based off those actions. For the Rockets, it's based off a five out. Having you know a simple pick and roll, proper spacing, people knowing where they need to be on the offense, and then Christian Wood with his talents being able to pick apart defenses with his length, with his size, with his ability, like we've discussed previ- in previous weeks, to contort his body and get inside the paint. So before you know Rockets fans, you know continue to dive deeper into that. Just quote by saying that he doesn't have any plays drawn up for him. Let's understand the context of what his role is within the offense.
1: And I've got I've got two follow-ups from that Ali Khan and hopefully you can you can help enlighten all of us because the first one that I have and I guess it's it's less so a question because uh, I I feel like maybe you're gonna have the the same sentiment here but I and I think that a lot of Rockets Twitter shares this same sentiment after watching him come you know since he's come back from the injury but he definitely to me and many others looks less explosive um you know working back off that ankle injury and I think that's been some of why it looks really difficult at times for him to get some of the looks that came so easy to him earlier in the season, pre-ankle injuries, where he was able to really explode past his defenders. He was able to finish with ease. He was able to elevate a little bit better. And now it seems like things are really, really tough for him at times. You know, he like he's really having to work for some of these shots that came so easily to him beforehand. And then the other side of that that I have is, I want to know, you know, with the rocket system that they have in place, and how you know Christian Wood doesn't necessarily have specific play calls for him. Does that mean, to you at least, does that mean that his effectiveness is tied to that of other players? Like, is it tied to how effective Kevin Porter Jr. is at getting him the ball? You know, after they've they found these uh, favorable matchups, does it you know does it tie into how how well these guys navigate yeah. the pick and roll, all of all of that? So why don't you run with yeah, that? Yeah, no, that, that's that.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think just, just let's start off with your second question. Cause I think that's really important to discuss and, and allude to what we just discussed earlier. Yes, that is that is important. He has to be able to feed off of perimeter guys who can make it easy on him to be able to score inside the paint. Where Christian Wood excels at offensively is on the move. He's so good at when you give him the ball on the catch or somewhere close to the basket, he's able to find small windows to be able to score. And 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 whenever you don't have a team that has proper spacing or the ability to kind of dribble, penetrate and get past the initial defender, it's harder on Christian Wood because he is the focal point of the defensive game plan. I asked Steven Silas this a few weeks ago because I think it's a really important point. Whenever you have a roster that's decimated by injuries and also talent-wise too, they're going to obviously focus on and hone in on the one talented player on the roster. Whenever Whenever Kevin Porter Jr., does not have or uh, is not there or he's off the bench it's going to be christian woods show and it's going to be up to the, the guys on the floor who are the ball handlers to get him the ball if they're not as talented as kevin porter jr who is the defense going to focus on they're going to help on christian Woods at the paint they're going to shift the defense tilt the defense uh, towards him and he's learning how to adjust and play make based off of that so i think that's that's the number one point i want to make to your other point Yes, I, you know, I honestly do think he is less explosive. Now, I don't know if that's just because of he's coming back from the ankle injury or that's because of the fact that he is playing with a new type of shoes. He hasn't worn those ankle shoes before. You know that, that, That's something that's going to offer him protection in the longer run, but I'm curious to see between now and the next season, what is he going to do to strengthen his ankles um, and be able to strengthen his core um, to be able to compete against bigger guys defensively because you know he is Really good, like we talked about uh, contorting his body, but is he able to, you know, size up bigger defenders, especially guys like Valentine, DeAndre Aiden, who gave him trouble defensively.
1: Yeah, some of those some of those bigger bigs have definitely caused some problems uh, for Christian throughout the course of this season. That's why we've we've had a lot of people who have, you know, echoed a similar sentiment of, you know, we want to see him, you know, kind of bulk up a little bit, maybe add 10, 15 pounds to his frame and uh, you know, however easy that is to do. However, I've always cautioned, right? We saw Clint Capella go from being kind of, you know, a slimmer build similar to Christian Wood, and then he bulked up, you know, excessively that one offseason, came in at about 250, 255, and then he suddenly didn't have that. Quick second jump. He wasn't as agile as he was. And we saw him struggle with that because he added so much muscle mass in that offseason that when he came back for the start of the 2018 2019 season, he actually had to slim down a little bit further to have that competitive advantage that made him so lethal against other bigger, slower bigs like Jokic, like Embiid, you know, to to maintain that competitive advantage that he had. But
3: Jackson, one thing to just to quickly interrupt you on Clint Capella, I would like to bring up is that you know one thing that Clint Capella was so good at was his speed. He was the fastest big, in my opinion, in the Western Conference during his tenure here with the Rockets. And what that meant was each season they wanted to put more on his plate. If you look at his stats, that within the first six seconds of the shot clock, Clint Capella's field goal attempts per game each season increased by at least one or two. And that's because they they made him have an emphasis on attacking in transition, beating Jokic, beating Gobert, beating these other bigs down the length of the court. Why do you think he saw so much success against Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert? Why do you think he saw so much success against Carl Anthony Towns, against Nikola Jokic, against... The Blazers bigs is because he's able to use his speed to get past everybody. Christian Wood has that same speed, but, you know, to bring back to that point we were making, yes, he does seem like he's less explosive because that speed, especially in transition, is not as apparent as it was before his hike.
1: Absolutely, and you know I'm I'm glad again. I feel so very vindicated. Uh, when, when I I come up with a point, and then Ali Khan's like, you know what I, you know I agree. That's you know that's a great great question, Jackson. I just I, you know I get all fluttery inside. Um, but uh, coming up, there's another guy that's been absolutely showing out that I want to talk about with with Ali Khan here, and that is none other than Jay Sean Tate, and it's a great you know, opportunity that we'll be able to talk about him next segment, because Jason Tate is actually your Meikle ultra player of the week, because over this last week, which has been four games to be exact, Jason Tate is averaging 13.5 points, 4.8 rebounds and 3.8 assists on 55% shooting and 47%, which is insane from behind the arc numbers, almost as good as Meikle ultra only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Look, it's fun watching Jay Sean Tate abuse small and big players alike with his inside game. His passing is completely underrated, something we're going to talk about in just a moment. And the defense, don't even get me started on the defense. Watching him lock down opposing players on a nightly basis brings me immense amounts of joy. And look, at the end of the day, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So why not enjoy a Mikulov Ultra while Jay Sean Tate is out there doing a little bit of everything on both sides of the court for the Rockets. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Jay Sean Tate's play has been a huge standout this season. but especially these past few games. And that's why he is your Mikelob Ultra Player of the Week. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our brand new Locked on Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcast. Also, hey, subscribe to Locked on Rockets, please. That'd be very cash money of you. But chatting right now with the athletic Ali Khan, Bijani, as we do every single Tuesday night on the Locker Room app. Now, Ali Khan, I have a, we have a surprise speaker request here, so I'm actually going to have to you know pull this guy in here, because how could we not? Uh, we got to get our guy, our guy, Roosh Williams, Roosh. in here for a split moment. What's up, Roosh?
0: What's good, man? Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, we got you. How's it going, man?
0: I'm chilling, baby. I'm running by the ocean. I'm in the beach. I'm in Santa Cruz. I was- hey, Roosh. what's up? Ali Khan was good. Baby, y'all good. I wanted to I wanted to say, um, your point about Clint Capella is correct, and it's he, he worked so much harder than mm-hmm. opposing centers. But I will say, one of the reasons that that's going to be difficult to replicate with Christian Wood is that we are missing James Harden. Right? One of the mm-hmm. one of the reasons that Christian Wood was able, I'm sorry, Clint Capella was able to you know, successfully do that is because he had a guy that could hit those touchdown passes. Yeah. And he had a guy that more, more so than the ability, he was even looking for it. Now, maybe Kevin Porter Jr. can become that, hopefully. um, But but without that, like, I, I'm just basically pointing out that I think it's uh, just to not take Harden's ability for granted, which I know you're not. The other thing, Jackson, is I got to say it's Michelob. Michelob. <laughs> not Michelob. Uh, but regardless, man, Jayshon Tate.
1: Toma- tomato. Tomato.
0: Tomato, tomato, Nikola Jokic, Mikolo Jokic. I don't know. No, but uh, Jay Sean Tate, I just want to say real quick, dude, he is an incredible find. There's a guy, I won't even name him. There's a guy with the radio show that bashes Rafael Stone um, and the job he's done so far. You know, mainly focusing, I guess, on the hardened trade and the return, whatever. But it is going so under the radar uh, how great of a find Jay Sean Tate was. You know, not like, oh, that's pretty good. No, that's, he's great. What he does defensively, like you said, his uh, fundamentals are just textbook. His form, textbook. His instincts are the type of type of stuff you cannot teach, and he's got it. Um, and then, yeah, I've seen Itamar talk about this on Twitter, but I want to see Jayshon Tate utilized as a playmaker instead of just as, like, a spot-up guy. Like, if we use utilize Jayshon on the roll as a roll man and even run some pick-and-roll with, with the ball in his hands, I think he's capable of doing that. Obviously, a la Draymond Green, which is the comparison that people like to make. But, but yeah, he's an incredible talent. Um, and I just think Stone is not getting enough credit outside of our fan base for finding him.
1: And Diego in the chat says, give Jay Sean the keys. <laughs> just give him the keys to the offense. Let him run it. No, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, Roosh, because at the end of the day, I think that you know he does – a lot of different things so well and the one area that I want to see get more attention is his playmaking and we've seen him used in multiple areas as a playmaker whether it's in transition you know he's not afraid to get the rebound and immediately take off in transition and either look to create you know an opportunity for himself or create something for other players um we've also seen him operate out of the out of the post you know posting up a smaller defender and trying to create a mismatch or an advantage there and then collapsing the defense and creating that way I think it was in the uh I think it was the Pelicans game. It was one of the games this past week where he had like three assists within the first like six or seven minutes of the game. And it was off of those post-ups down low against a smaller player where then he collapsed the defense and kicked the ball back out and, you know, created some easy looks or just a little shovel pass to, you know, to a cutter, you know, going back door for an easy layup. Um, it's yeah. been great to see him, you know, have that opportunity to, you know, kind of flesh out that, that area of his game. Alicon, why don't you give us some thoughts, man?
3: Yeah, no, Roosh is absolutely right. I think they do need to utilize him more. And and I I just want to throw out the stat. I think it's a very incredible stat that kind of just showcases how unique um, he is. Sean Tate is averaging... Almost 11 points per game, five rebounds per game, and two assists per game. And the last Rockets rookie to post those numbers within his first 50 games was Ralph Sampson back in 1983 84. I mean, when you think about, you know, just in the conversation with a guy like Ralph Sampson, who was so good here in his Rockets tenure, that's incredible. Um, But to the point about playmaking, I absolutely agree. I think where he's going to get into that role is when the Rockets start having more success with their five-out lineups due to the to the personnel. Having more shooters out there, I think that's a big reason. Why, I know we're going to discuss this later. But that's a big reason why you have Avery Bradley and Sterling Brown both coming in and for each other off the bench. So even when Kelly Kelly Olenek leaves, you always make sure to replace a shooter with a shooter. They want to make sure they keep that consistent throughout the whole thing where you never have a non-shooter on the court. Um, As that happens, you're going to see the offense and just to half court itself spread even more and allow Jay Sean to be able to do things. He's not going to be a vertical spacer. And I've talked to him about this too. He doesn't have that quick jump to be able to do those things, but he is very good at reading the defense and being able to use his size and his you know, skill just to be able to get a shot off with this array of hesitation moves and post moves down low. So I think in that way, they're going to trust him a lot more. I think one guy on the roster who styles trusts the most is probably in this case, Jay Sean Tate, he's the only Rockets player to have appeared in all 50.
1: You talk about the the trust that Silas has with Jay Sean Tate, and that's something that we've highlighted before. But the other element, you know, for those who don't already know, I've brought this up on Locked on Rockets before, but, you know, I was surprised to find out when I did, you know, wrote a little, you know, brief piece, because I don't write that often, but um, I wrote a piece on Jay Sean Tate just to try and introduce Rockets fans to him. And it turns out his dad played college hoops and his dad's like 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, and so growing up, Jay Sean Tate actually learned like all of his inside game from his dad because they thought he was going to be a little bit bigger than he wound up being. So now he's, this you know six four slightly undersized forward, but he's got this entire repertoire of post moves because his dad was a post player. So you know it it looks like he's a legitimate big down there. The way that he knows how to like pirouette, uses pivot foot, the patience that he has on display when you know other guys meet him right at the rim, he doesn't just panic when he comes to a jump stop or anything like that. He waits. Um, he reads the defense really really well, and that's why he's so effective down low. But uh, Roosh, you know, talking about Jayshon Tate, one of the areas that I wanted to kind of bring up in here is I, I don't think he's gonna you know have a legit shot at at being rookie of the year but I think he has a shot to finish top three at this point and I think he's also a lock for the all-rookie first team where do you feel about those awards and and you know his chances at walking away with one of them
0: uh, yeah I don't think he's gonna win it just because we're not any good unfortunately and I know that Anthony Edwards will probably win it even though Minnesota's not that good but, um, you know, he's obviously featured in their offense more and he's like thought of as their star player and or their star player to be groomed. And even in addition to that, um, you know, Tate was undrafted, kind of had a an unorthodox route relative to Anthony Edwards to the NBA. And with LaMelo Ball out, though, I think he I definitely think he should finish top three and I think he could. Um I don't really know. I mean, you got quickly. You got Edwards and I don't know who else should finish over him. So I think he could get Halliburton
1: a has been Halliburton oh, yeah. has played okay. pretty yeah, well. Right. So that, that would be probably the three that you could make the the strong case for finishing ahead of him. He, he's definitely going to be in that first team
0: all, all rookie though. hundred percent. Yeah, he, He's starting to get a he, lot of love and his numbers are really starting to boost. I think he's got like 11 and five. What's what's best or what's standing out the most to me, uh, which I think is probably standing out to all of us is correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't look at it uh, recently. Well, I looked at it last night. But like he's at thirty-three percent from three.
1: Uh, he's uh, over the last. I mean, in general, let me see what he's up to. Yeah, he's he's up to thirty-three.
0: Which, honestly, for a guy that's not supposed to be able to shoot, like pretty damn good on the season. Yeah, I off into like a thirty-four or thirty-five percent guy. You know, and, and the, the thing that stood out a lot to me about his shot is that um, his release is quick and confident. You know, a lot of times with guys that can't shoot, and please let me know if you can't hear me. I'm walking by the beach. I might have weak signal. But with guys who can't shoot, they're usually not confident in their release. And their release just looks funny. Like Draymond, he's got that... you remember the memes where people were making fun of Draymond for looking like he's shooting with a backpack on or whatever? So, Sean's release is quick. It's confident. And I've noticed, or at least it seems for the eye test, like when he does release it quickly, it falls at a higher rate than when he's just like kind of hesitating. So that's, that's, that's
3: you're absolutely right. And that's actually one thing he's been working on with John Lucas. Um, Even when the Rockets don't have like a scheduled shoot around or uh, uh, before the game, or they have an off day of practice, he always comes in in the mornings and he shoots and he comes uh, to shoot with John Lucas to help him with his form. And it's paid him dividends a lot. Not only is he watching film with Will Weber, who was his coach, Um, back in australia but he's working on his form a lot and you're absolutely right that that form does look quicker and i think he's more comfortable taking those contested shots which i think for him is a game changer if he can take those contested shots especially from the corner when christian wood kevin porter jr whoever it is finds him there and he can knock them down like he is these last three to four games it's only going to make him even better of a player moving forward
1: Diego highlights in the chat saying that uh, that KJ must have joined those sessions because KJ's shot has absolutely looked a lot better as well as of late, uh, and that's been a, a very uh, welcome surprise. But Roosh, I'll tell you what. Why don't you uh, why don't you hit us with whatever your last thoughts are, and then let everybody know where they can track you down at. Okay.
0: Yes, sir, man. Thanks for uh, bringing me in. By the way, I know it's impromptu. Uh, last thoughts, man. I will say that um, as far as KJ goes, Itamar, tomorrow I remember was saying his shot looked really broken in the G League, but to me, he's got the type of release that I think he could hit like 35%, um, as a catch, catch and shoot guy, not off the dribble, but his release is there, I think enough to where he can be just reliable enough. And then my last thought on Jay Sean Tate, man, um, look, I had talked about bringing him off the bench, if you see any of my tweets. And the reason for that is because of what Ali Khan was talking about, how you need shooters on the floor at all times. And in conjunction with that, uh, because Jay Sean obviously is not one of our, one of our better shooters. So I was thinking, bring him off the bench as a playmaker. And then lastly, um, I was going to say that, you know, obviously once the Rockets get more talent and they can surround more shooters around these guys um, because, you know, Wood, I think, can shoot. I think KPJ is going to develop the shot. And then the last member of, like, the big core, unless you count KJ, is So If he can develop that shot, he's going to be a force to deal with. You can find me, Roosh Williams, R-O-O-S-H Williams, on pretty much everything. Um, thank you guys. I appreciate it. And hell yeah.
3: Thanks Roosh. Thanks for coming in. Always good to hear from you.
0: appreciate it roosh although him you
1: know flexing on us running alongside the beach he definitely uh dropped in and out of the uh room a couple times there we need to get him on that james harden brooklyn uh internet connection because you know wherever he was at uh you know running alongside the beach it was it was dropping out here and there but we got about 90 percent of what he was trying to say which is is nice and that's the cool thing about these locker room sessions we get impromptu visits uh from from awesome individuals but i've got one more Point about Jay Sean Tate that I want to ask you, Ali Khan, before and but before we get there, as well as talking about kind of the Rockets lineup, some of the closing lineups that we've seen, I want to drop in a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Now, look, if you've never had a protein bar that you've actually enjoyed, like you've eaten a protein bar and you thought, This is amazing, I love it you need to check out Built Bar. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from. I'm telling you, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, my personal favorite, the one that just won the Built Bar, Built Madness Bracket uh, Coconut Brownie Chunk. You just can't go wrong with any one of them. And the unique thing about these bars, right? They're not traditional protein bars. They're not gritty. They're not chalky. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Every single bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They're low sugar, high protein, high fiber, low cal. They're great for a keto diet. And you can check them out. Just go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Another quick word from our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but we've got NBA, college basketball, NHL, MLB all in full swing right now. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time, updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's totally free to sign up. Head over to the website and sign up today using promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Chatting with the Athletics' Ali Johnny by way of the Locker Room app. Join us every Tuesday night on Locker Room at 8.30 Central to talk Rockets hoops. Now, I know that we had that impromptu visit from Roosh, but we haven't had a single other speaker request. So if you want to jump up here, ask us some questions, get in on the conversation, do it, please, because that's what this is for. But Ali Khan, the, the question remaining that I have for Jay Sean Tate is, And this one's kind of a, you know, it's a guesstimation question, but I just want to, you know, see where your head's at on this. I want to know how early do you think it's going to be, or how soon do we think Jay Sean Tate will receive the nod to an all-NBA team? Because I feel like, or sorry, not an all-NBA team. That's that's a stretch, but maybe one day. But an all-NBA defensive team, be it a first or second team selection, I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to receive the honor at some point in his career, but... When do you think that that point will be for him? I don't,
3: you know, that's a great question. I, I don't think he's going to get that anytime soon, at least this season or next season. I think maybe the season after that, when he turns 27, that's when I can start seeing him getting those, getting that consideration. And that's not to say he's he's not a great defender. I think what separates him from getting to a point where he's going to become an elite defender is whenever he does not make those mistakes you see rookies make. Now, even a guy like Sean Tate can make rookie mistakes. He can, like, for example, let's go through yesterday's game. Fouling, um, I forgot who he fouled last night at very, very late. He fouled, I think, either Chris Paul or Devin Booker with about 30 seconds left when they cut the lead to a one-possession game. Didn't have to do that. There's just small things you see a rookie will make and that that's okay. You know, he is a rookie he's learning how to play in this game, but they think, uh, uh, you know, it takes a little bit longer sometimes just to kind of get over those things. Second, I think this is probably the most important point. It's not his fault, but the Rockets have not been healthy all year and they haven't had their best defenders on the floor for him to be able to be a part of a top 10 or top five defensive team, a unit. And until the Rockets get to a point where they are a top five or top 10 defensive unit, unless individually he, Is above and beyond one of the best defenders, not just on his team but in the league. He's not going to get that consideration to be a first-team All Defensive Player member. I think a great example of this is PJ Tucker. We all know PJ deserves All Defensive Team recognition, but the fact that he wasn't on a unit uh, until that Western Conference Finals and then the season afterwards, he he got a few votes that he still did to make it on there. But the fact that you know he hasn't made it on there yet kind of just shows you. Yes, one player can be so instrumental and so key to a specific defensive unit, but they necessarily may not make the defensive team. And so, I don't want that for Rockets fans to hear that and say, "Hey, you know what? That's not that's, that, you know that's not fair." Whatever the case may be, ultimately, it's not players voting. We all know it's not the players voting for these things. It's the media, and sometimes that those types of players may not get as recognized as others.
1: Yeah, PJ Tucker ha- not having an all-defensive team selection, uh, you know, on his career resume is one of the biggest tra- travesties, you know, in in sp- we could probably say in all of sports, not just NBA basketball, but um with that, let's let's dive into some of these lineup questions because Alicon, there's been um, you know, a lot in flux as of late with the Rockets lineups and you know, I feel a certain way about about some of these closing lineups and Hell, even the starting lineup as recently as the Phoenix Suns game. So why don't we start there? I thought that it was a very curious choice for Steven Silas to start Avery Bradley over Sterling Brown. And frankly, I haven't been the biggest fan of Avery Bradley so far. I'm putting it lightly here, Um, frankly, because I don't like that his minutes, at least up until the sun's game have been eating into the minutes of those of KJ Martin, DJ Wilson, some of the younger guys on the roster who I'd much rather see get the excessive run. So maybe there's something that Steven Silas has, you know, shared or something that you can, you know, kind of enlighten us with as to why that decision may have been made. And then we'll kind of transition into some of the lineups throughout the game, as well as the closing lineups.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, Adam Spoling actually asked him about this post-game yesterday. Adam Spoling from Sports Radio 610. And the answer he got in terms of the Sterling Brown avery bradley thing was that he just wanted to make sure that they kept at least one of them on uh he just wanted to make he, he just wanted to have avery bradley in there to help you know compete against devin booker it wasn't anything against sterling brown um but it was just more so just to have avery bradley in there and so i do think in that case whenever you're looking at avery bradley versus sterling brown you want to have at least one of those guys on the floor at all times um and, and i i don't necessarily see a difference between the two except that the You know Sterling Brown is a much better three-point shooter right now. He is scorching hot from three. But even then, having your perimeter defender on the floor and somebody who can shoot the ball and help space the floor is important. And, you know, from my perspective, this is not Steven Silas' perspective, this is my perspective, you have Olenek starting with Christian Wood because they really want that lineup to work. They really think having two guys who can space the floor effectively, a la Christian Wood and DeMarcus Cousins, like we wanted to work early in the season. They want to see if that can work. In this case, If you have Olenek and Wood both playing, when Olenek steps out and you have Christian Wood at the five, you want to replace Olenek with a three and D type of player, a shooter who can knock down shots. That's why you saw those lineup changes yesterday where it was Jay Sean and somebody else coming out then you bring Sterling Brown and somebody else DJ Augustine in and you kind of make sure that Christian Wood or Kelly Olenek or DJ Wilson they're all surrounded by shooters so they can continue to play five out that's why in my opinion the Rockets offense has been so effective and they scored 38 points in the fourth quarter last night because they're playing off of each other and they're actually having space where it's not just one guy getting all the attention because they can't space the floor properly
1: and I, I agree with the sense, and I'm glad you brought up the point about the substitution pattern, because I think that's been the biggest thing is, you know, Silas is still learning. And I think it's so important to realize he's still a rookie head coach. He's still, you know, trying to play around with some of these lineups, trying to, you know, understand, OK, well, which lineup works best? You know, who you know, can I start this guy? Can I bring this guy off the bench? I'm still and while I may not be a fan of it, I still think that you that Silas probably could have accomplished the same thing that he wanted to do by you know, starting Sterling Brown and essentially keeping one of those two guys guys on the floor for the entire 48 minutes to, you know, to check Devin Booker. That makes sense. I get that, but it's important not to just immediately want to crucify the man because he's playing around with lineups because he's trying to find out what works best, find out which lineups, uh, you know, are more favorable, you know, who works well with who, all of that, you know, unfortunately for Silas, right. He's still, as far as Kelly Olinick and and Avery Bradley are concerned, they just joined the team with very little practice time. So now he's learning on the fly. Okay, which guy, you know, which of these guys can I start? He just lost Daniel House Jr. You know, with with no timetable for him coming back, and you know, it, it's just been a lot for Steven Silas this season. So I'm not ready to jump the gun and condemn him yeah. for saying, you know, oh, he sh- he shouldn't be starting Avery Bradley. He's toying with the lineups, and I get it. And one of the other areas that he's playing with is that closing lineup where he opted in in this Suns game to have DJ Augustine on the floor alongside Kevin Porter jr. In that closing lineup, which was something that I kind of, I had weighed the pros and cons of uh, in a previous episode of locked on rockets, because on the one hand, I think it's great for DJ Augustine to be out there as almost like a safety net of sorts for Kevin Porter jr. So that he doesn't feel like the, you know, all of that pressure, like it, you know, the buck starts and stops with him and that's it. But conversely, I also don't want to see Kevin Porter Jr. deferring too much to DJ Augustine because he has another playmaker or another ball handler on the floor at the end of the game, which is something that we've seen a little bit from Kevin Porter Jr., where at the tail end of games there's been some moments where it feels like he isn't right. I don't want to say he's not ready to rise to the challenge. That's a little unfair to, you know, to to KPJ, but there's been some moments where he's very willing to get the ball out of his hands and let somebody else take a shot at attacking the defense. So how do you feel about that?
3: Yeah. My first question to you is has Kevin Porter jr played well from our conversation last week, has he played well in that facilitator role um, over these last few games, particularly yesterday, what did you notice from that uh, perspective?
1: I think that he has looked better when he's not trying to force things and I think that's something that's been kind of the standout is like you look at you know uh, two games ago against the Pelicans and everything that game felt very very forced from Kevin Porter Jr. He had eight turnovers it felt like there was just nothing was coming naturally in the flow of the offense whereas you can look towards the the Suns game and Kevin Porter Jr. had a much better bounce back game he did still have three turnovers but he had the eight assists things felt like they were flowing a little bit better and I don't know if that's necessarily all you know as a result of kevin porter jr i think it's you know there's a lot uh of the team element in there the ball was moving really well just the rockets as a team felt like they were playing a lot better but i think for kevin porter jr i i haven't i'm still undecided on that that cusp of like do you just let him have that opportunity to truly sink or swim on his own uh or do you give him that Again, that secondary facilitator in DJ Augustine, which you know is what we saw against the Suns.
3: I, I think more so from the DJ perspective, you add another guy who can shoot the basketball, and I think that's what, kind of what the, the one of the biggest reasons he brought him in for is that you know not only do you have a guy who knows Silas well from their time together, who Silas trusts to be able to organize the offense, be able to draw a two-on-one situation that we've talked about in first offense, but you also bring in a guy who can shoot the and knock, knock down a spot-up three when necessary, and that's the key thing I think. Your point about Kevin Porter Jr., especially late in games, is a valid point. But even then, he has had the ball and he's actually been making good decisions. If he's not going to make those types of decisions now when they're in clutch situations, you rather you don't want him to do that later on when your team gets infused with more talent and then he you know, he still hasn't learned yet enough or hasn't had that enough experience. This is all valuable experience for a team to understand how they're going to work. And I think if you're a Rockets fan, you should go back and watch the end of that Phoenix game. The last five minutes that's when KPJ and Christian Wood check back in for that you know, that, that rocking bench unit and kind of see what they did. You're going to see a lot of positives there, um, you know, moving forward in terms of how Kevin Porter Jr. can handle an offense, but also how he plays a lot off of Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate and another four like Kelly Olenek or whoever else is in that role next season. That was... Those are types. Those are the types of things that if you're, you know, obviously they're not going to make the playoffs at this point. Spoiler alert. But you want to start (laughs) seeing good habits, habits that they can build upon into next season. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is showing that he's learning and he's willing to listen and he's willing to get better.
1: That's, that's obviously where a lot of Rockets fans are kind of hanging their hat is you know the, the hope that that duo of Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. can blossom and become you know a, a dynamic duo in, in this NBA and that's definitely something that you know every single night right we look forward to these games and we look forward to seeing how they progress, what areas of their game they need to improve upon and I think Kevin Porter Jr. absolutely had a, a huge bounce back game in that Sun's game from you know a, a really lackluster game against the Pelicans. he comes back in the sun's game. 20 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, kind of flirting with a triple five of 10 shooting overall, shot 9 of 10 at the free throw line. Uh, you know, which was a a great sight to see for this Rockets team that, you know, has been struggling with their free throw shooting all season long, you know, shooting 27 of 33 from the line against the Suns in a really close game against one of the better teams, one of the best teams in the NBA. That's definitely a promising sign there. And you know, one of the other lineup areas that we didn't get a to touch didn't get to touch on here because Ali Khan and I both want to see it kind of in action a little bit more is the duo of Christian Wood and Kelly Olenek playing alongside each other. So we're going to be discussing that as well as, you know, a variety of other topics next week for our next locker room. We, we, and- we have a
3: segment. Uh, we, we we do have a segment in the works for next week on that Christian Wood Kelly Olenek pairing. I think you guys should definitely tune in and have a conversation with us whenever we do go over the data in the.
1: Yeah, because today the only guy that decided to join the conversation was Roosh. Not that we don't love Roosh, but we want to hear from you guys too. We want to get you guys in on this conversation, hear your questions, hear your thoughts. That's why we do this locker room thing. That's why we do it live so that you can interact with us, ask us questions. The chat is awesome though. Um, we've had some shout outs in the chat. So uh, just just so I'm we can sorry, go three guys, for three, I might as well shout out Diego one me. more time.
3: <laughs> yeah, the chat isn't working for me. So I, I know I'm usually very active in the chat. But honestly, the last message I see is from 27 minutes ago when Alex Gonzalez says we sacrificed him for a younger player. That's a good leader. That's all I know. I haven't seen any updates in the chat since then. So if you've asked me a question or said anything uh, directed to me, I do apologize for that. Um, You know, (laughs) and if and if you guys have a question, maybe you guys can come up on uh, the stage and talk to us right now because I would love to be able to speak with you guys.
1: Yeah, before we wrap this up, if anybody wants to come up here, then uh, you know, just give us a holler. Hit that hit that speaker request button and you can come up and uh, you know ask us a question, just say what's up, you know, pick our thoughts on what did we talk about last week? Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> like we can we could do that if we want to. Um but we're not we're not getting anybody. Come on, oh, hang on, there we go. Hey, Diego wants to come up and say hi. What's up, Diego? Hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, we
3: got you. What's up? Hey, Diego. What's up, man?
2: Yeah, I just got like a few questions. Uh, one, I
3: guess, uh, why does Houston have the cutest fans? <laughs> my guy's spitting game, bro. Hey, this look, man. You gotta drop this on some IG or like, you know, IG group or some some like. I don't even know where you could drop that type of like compliment to somebody. I
2: saw I saw on Twitter that there's a group chat that has KJ Martin in it. I don't know how to get in. I, I need yo. To I feel stuff. like we
3: have some some people from that group chat here in this locker room right now. So if y'all know what I, what he's talking about, you gotta get Diego in and all that action. Send me sure an invite. To to Hold up, I'm dropping my at on on Twitter.
1: This is this is amazing. This is I mean we've 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 managed to derail this twice now. I love this. I love derailing the end of a show. This is amazing. It's perfect. Um, I love the community because <laughs> Diego came in here. He basically tried to slide into the DMs, but instead of sliding into DMs, he slid into our locker room. Is what happened. So. Wait, Diego,
3: who are you trying to slide in? Whose DMs are you trying to slide into? Are they? I can't see who's in. Like literally, my whole thing is frozen, so I can't see anything. Everybody's. Damn, I got Diego <laughs> dropping dimes. Okay, <laughs> all right, Diego, you got anything else for us, man? Nah, that's it. I love you guys. Thanks, three. Nice to meet you, Diego. Thanks,
1: <laughs> don't be a stranger on stage. Definitely. Sure not. Not. Nice to meet you, man. Appreciate you coming up. anybody else got anything for us? Uh, no, we, no. Evan coming?
3: Mobley, Jalen sucks. Question this week. I feel like we've had that question every week. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for that question.
1: <laughs> we, thoughts? <laughs> we've got, we've got our boy Keegan up here. Keegan, what's up, man? Hey, how are y'all doing? Hello, Keegan,
2: uh, I just wanted to pop in because uh, Drew was asking in chat, and he said that he could not uh, ask on locker room. Um, what about Armani Brooks? Uh, how much do you think that we're to mm. see of him in the near future? Yeah, that,
3: that's that's a fantastic question, and that's a question that I've had myself. Um, we were not able to ask Steven Silas about Armani Brooks until he signed, um, and I think it became official during the game um, yesterday. And so I'll, I'll, I'm planning to ask him, uh, n- uh, I believe, Tomorrow against Dallas pregame, I'll be asking about Romani Brooks. But, you know, just based off my conversations with those who were there in the G League and who have watched him, he's somebody who's really impressed him, not only with his shooting ability, but his ability to pick up the offense. I really do think that he is somebody, if he can show it in practice um, or, you know, just continue to stay ready, they'll give him some time. He can shoot the basketball. You can't have enough shooters in the NBA. And somebody like him who's young, who has an ability to not only shoot the basketball off the catch-and-shoot variety, but kind of come off those pin-downs and curls and knock-down threes too, that's an asset to have. And I think I'm eager to see if they're, how much they're going to play him and, and kind of what their plan is with that moving forward. The Rockets played nine go- nine guys yesterday. The only player who uh, was not uh, was healthy and did not play yesterday was Anthony Lamb. So if we're looking at Daniel Howes being out another seven to ten days or whatever the timeline is for him and, you know, you have more injuries, there's a possibility you can see Armani Brooks, you know, getting getting some playing time, being able to show what does he have offensively, but also more importantly, defensively. I think Salas is wanting to look at, you know, can he hold his own against guards? Can he hold his own against switches, be able to state to their principles that they'd like to run uh, defensively? Um, so hopefully that answered your question, Keegan.
2: Yeah, it did. And uh, throw, I'm really – I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, well, I just – I was going to throw in a couple more points about Armani. Just, you know, he. I mean, he managed to shoot. Not only is he shooting really, really well. He's shooting you know, this past year in the G League, he was shooting 38% from behind the arc. He's doing it on an insane volume. He was attempting over 10 three-pointers a game. And, you have you know, being able to watch his progression from college to the G League, you know, his uh, his volume getting, you know, bigger and bigger every single year. And, you know, maintaining that high level percentage as well as increasing the volume of threes is something that's absolutely stood out to me. But, you know, he's a guy who came from the Houston program, right? So Kelvin Sampson was his head coach for three years at Houston. So he's definitely going to have, you know, some defensive minded principles ingrained. And, you know, I, I had the pleasure of of covering that U of H Cougars team, you know, back when he was there. And um, I think that Rockets fans are in for a treat if he gets an opportunity to to really show showcase what he can do on the basketball court. And then my my remaining thought on that is I don't know if he's technically past uh you know nba COVID protocols yet if he would be available for the mavericks game but it would be very very cool for houston cougars fans to see nate hinton on the mavs and armani brooks on the rockets face off against each other even if it's just in garbage time in this rockets mavs game wednesday night yeah for
3: sure key what else you got i know you had something else in mind What, 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 um, what else?
2: I was just going to say, uh, I think that Armani could play a really big role uh, moving forward. And, of course, he's still young. And like you said, uh, Jackson, you know, he's been taking a whole bunch of threes. He's had really high volume. And he's hitting at a great clip, to taking that mm-hmm. many per game. Um, and so, you know, you look at how many minutes uh, Ben McLemore was getting for us, um, you know, over the last few weeks. And, I mean, his shooting's been off for quite a while now. Um, he, You know, he struggled a lot this year compared to uh, last season. But I'm hoping that Armani can come in and uh, fill that role that BMAC did, if he's going to get playing time, because I think he could really develop into you know one of those quick trigger uh, sharpshooter guys, and every team needs one of those.
3: So, no, for sure. No, I, I think you made I think you made some excellent points. You
1: can never not you can never have enough shooting. So that's that's 100. Keegan, appreciate the question. Why don't you let everybody know where to track you down at, man?
2: Uh, y'all can find me uh, at Keeg49 on Twitter, and I run Rockets Lead as well with uh, TLSM, and I'll drop that in chat for y'all. Thank you for letting me talk, too. Thanks, brother.
1: Absolutely, man. Thanks for joining the conversation. I think we're going to have to uh, probably start wrapping things up, though, at this point. But, Ali Khan, you know the drill, man. you got to let everybody know where to track you down at.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks, guys, for joining. I'm sorry I wasn't able to be as uh, involved in the chat today. But you can find me on Twitter, at Rockets underscore Insider, find me on youtube at rockets film room um i have a lot of really good stuff coming out um in the next few weeks on rockets and also on the athletic one thing i'll definitely say if you have not tuned in for a full episode yet highly highly recommend especially for those listening on demand at locked on uh, locked on rockets definitely try to join next week when uh Jackson and I break down the Christian Wood Kelly Olenich
1: pairing. Um, you know, we're going to have some good stuff on that. So definitely try to join if you haven't been able to join previously. Absolutely. And, you know, as always, you can track down the podcast, uh, on Twitter at Locked on Rockets. You can find me on Twitter at Locked on Rockets. Be sure to follow both Ali Khan and I here on Locker Room. But for today's episode of Locked on Rockets, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to having you back for the very next episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.